Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. We have uh, a special show. It's not a special show. It's a normal show. But uh, I called it electrical problems, not just because of the stadium. That's probably reason number one. Uh, but Stuart <laughs> was going to join us tonight and he's having electrical problems himself. So I assume someone saw his tweeting, went outside his house and busted the conduit leading to the meter for his electricity. That's I, is this I assume this is what thing- happened. Is this another thing we can blame the city of St. Louis for? Yeah, but then <laughs> but then they'll blame the club. Because <laughs> he forgot to tell him that he lives there or something like that. I yeah, he know. was supposed to mark that electrical meter. I don't know. City of St. Louis versus a store. There you go. <laughs> um, let's get that out of the way. I, we, we've got some games to talk about, and uh, we've got what else are we talking about? I'm going to pull my notes up here. We We're going to talk about the we don't year have any games at 17. Yeah, we don't have games at Centene, and we're going to talk about like the Jersey sponsors and uh, like some expansion draft stuff. So that's the lineup for today. But yes, no games at Centene. Matt, get us started. So uh, since we recorded a few like non game day stuff, things have happened. Like uh, to me, all of this kind of coalesces around the time frame that the City Goods Store opened. So if you all remember. The day that the City Goods Store opened, we're recording this on September 21st, so this would have been last Tuesday, like 10 days ago, or, or almost 10 days ago. Um, if The Thursday before that, apparently, is when this happened or was found out or started to uh, present itself, because the, the story from Fox 2, from the, the Post-Dispatch, it all goes to before that. So when City Goods opened and had power... Part of the stadium did not have power <laughs> and and actually noticed um, some pictures I had of the stadium at the time. The the video boards, you know, how they've been playing Minions and Top Gun Maverick on the yeah. video board. When City Goods opened, only the South video board was playing. Oh. The North board was completely off. Didn't think anything of it at the time. Was telling my wife the other day that, you know, I sh- should have realized something was up when only one board was was playing. Um and so at that time, we were all looking forward to what had been announced as the first game at Centene, Sporting Kansas City 2. So up until midweek, it was Wednesday night uh, last week. So you know, one week ago today, late at night, this, the club not only sent out a tweet, but sent an email to supporters and fans, uh, I assume to the season ticket account holders, that they had to move the game that due to unrelated stadium unrelated team issues with construction around the stadium uh, they were no longer able to host due to uh, power loss and so that was that was the story for five six days uh you know all, all we knew is that we couldn't host we knew that there was no time frame for power restoration and it was kind of all up in the air. We knew we had the potential for more home games in the playoffs if we made if we had home field advantage. So fast forward to this week, and we start to hear a little bit more. Uh, over the weekend, we heard rumors that it was something on 22nd Street where somebody cut a line or they hit a breaker and caused water to flood in. And so that went unreported. And so because it was unreported, it was unrepaired, the massive rainfall that we had that last go round ended up flooding it and a custom part was destroyed or ruined or, or caused an entire section of the stadium to lose power. And so the rumors prior to the news this week were that that custom part would take potentially months to to create and have shipped in to repair it. Hmm. And so really the entirety of the playoffs my mind any future game in the fall is potentially at risk and so like how many months well not enough not enough months it was at least it, the rumor that i heard is that it wasn't enough like it wouldn't affect next year it was into the okay. fall like you're thinking november december type of a thing hmm. um that sounds like a pretty worst case scenario but in the world we live in where the supply chain is what it is it's yeah. not out of the realm of uh, believability and I can say I'm in construction, and so the supply chain on electrical products was really, really rough for a long time. And if this is a specialty item, all the more so. In fact, no, there was a box that I needed the other day. I couldn't get it, so it's still kind of a weird problem. Um, yeah. And so- this kind of thing happens, too. I just want to give like the construction like 
point of view on this is I've been around guys that like dug into something they didn't know was there or forgot was there. And this kind of thing happens a lot. And I just wanted to kind of stand up for them and be like, I know people will be tempted to want to point fingers and, and blame people. It hasn't been bad, but, um, you know, like I think this kind of thing just happens. And unfortunately, it being like Labor Day weekend, that it was like especially bad, that it was bad plus more problems plus more problems because of that problem. So things were just stacking up and and here we are. Um, I think you were going to say something, Matt. Yeah. So, I mean, those were a lot of the rumors that we heard. And then it really came out clearly that um, there were two conduits damaged during a trenching operation on September 2nd by a city hired contractor who's installing street lighting conduits on the west side of 22nd Street near the stadium. So if you if you go to the stadium, 22nd Street is on the west side. I mean, there are massive trenches. It's that's that's the biggest area of construction that's occurring right now. And so that's that's what we found out through uh, the Post-Dispatch. And then it starts to get a little because because that seems a little uh, obvious on the city side, right? City of St. Louis, lowercase city, uh, where they they hit something. It was unreported. Uh, flooding occurred, heavy rainfall, and it it is it is what it is. This week, uh, today, yesterday, it starts to get a little more spicy. Um, so, in the article uh, the Post Dispatch had today uh, or last night, rather. Um, an engineer with the city board of public service was saying that he confirming all everything that was happened. However, they were also saying that, uh, the private electrical run that was going from the, to the VIP parking lot, which only houses around 40 plus parking spaces. I believe if I, if I heard right, was not marked or identified through the Missouri one call dig, right. Uh, which is the utility line locating service. You know, if you have a house, you call dig right when you're doing some construction or some some operation on your yard. Same kind of thing. So the city of St. Louis is saying that the the electrical run was not properly marked or identified, and so no one on their contractors reading between the lines would have knowingly done this. Uh, they they just happened to run into it because it wasn't properly marked, and so now you're getting the back and forth spat of who's really at fault. Um, it, it did happen, but was the, did the club properly market or did their con- construction contractors properly market? It's, it's kind of weird, um, how it seems to start to get public in that regard right now where, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter because it's broken, you know, the city did it. Now they're saying the club didn't properly market. Um, all we know is that we have no idea when we're going to have games that we can see in that stadium right now. Yep. Looks like it's going to be a while. <laughs> well, we're only three rounds of the MLS Next Pro playoffs in successive weeks. So there's a very short runway. And we, we have um, home field advantage in the first two weeks. So this coming weekend, and if we win, then next weekend as well in the Western Conference Championship. However, if Columbus makes it to the championship, uh, MLS Next Pro Cup, I guess they're going to call it, then we won't host. But if anybody else besides Columbus makes it mm-hmm. and we make it, we would host the championship. So three weeks from now. Yeah, we'll two, do two and a half weeks. Sorry. We'll dig in on that uh, when we start talking about the Kansas City game, I think. Um, just a couple like things that I've also learned in doing construction. Like normally you put a tracer wire on these conduit things so that they're findable with like a little machine um, or, uh, you know, dig right. The weird part is like if it's on your property and it's your own utilities, you don't have to mark it. I had a problem recently where I had a water main I hit um, that it was my water line and no one marked it whenever they put it in, you know, years ago. And it's just on me. It's just like normal in that case. But this is crossing a street. So surely it should have been marked. And, you know, of course, they're pointing fingers. Who who does it? We don't even know who it actually belongs to. Does it belong to the stadium? They some people said yes. And so it's whatever. Um, like Matt said, the most important thing is how it affects us. So it'd be nice. The The club didn't say it's not going to be at Centene during the playoffs, right? They left it open. All they've, no, all they've announced is this weekend's. I, and and no. I think that goes to show the outside hope that they have. Um, if this week is any indication, then it's going to be the Monday following the, the weekend's matches where they have to really confirm and give a, a, a hard yes or no so that planning can occur. So 
we have the rest of the week into the weekend to see if that that part can arrive or maybe it already has arrived and they're testing it out i think the to me knowing that the video board on the north side is off and shut down as a part of this you would assume as a part of this i don't have confirmation on um, that's a telling sign. So I've been trying to look at some of the pictures that were, have been posted by, there was a private event there last night, uh, at the, the Mick ultra club. And so I've been trying to look mm -hmm. at these pictures to see if that North video board is on to me. If you see that North video board on, it's a pretty good indication that things are trending <laughs> in the right direction. Yeah. I like that. A little hint on whether things are going the right way. That's good. And I did notice in the channel two clip that the reason they have some power, I think, might be mostly because they have that generator running all the time. That giant right. generator. Yep. That was interesting. Um, okay, well, let's dig into the game. I think we're going to skip the North Texas game. Santiago, is that okay with you? Is there anything you want to say about that? Um, well, we we lost. Um, <laughs> and obviously... Uh, we lost bad. Yeah, we lost badly. And that game is so close to uh, this game in the playoffs yeah but um hopefully the team will go back and look at the video and and see um some things that north texas did uh i know we weren't planning to talk about north texas but to me it looked like north texas was ready for mm. cd2 and and they know how to attack them and what their weaknesses were because if you look at the three goals like they were like very similar like just long crosses and um behind the defense and took advantage of that which has been what we've been talking about is the scouting report for the most part that a city seems pretty weak in or city two seems pretty weak in is if you allow attackers behind our defense and we're stuck scrambling from that high press midfield location that uh two at least two of our defender defenders are at then it's tough to track back if they have if they can produce numbers in the, their attacking third in a counter press then we're usually in trouble yeah and we mentioned uh, we've mentioned a few times like the the big switch too does work like a charm and so we've seen that throughout the season um anything else from you, you oh go ahead you have to wonder if the reason that that works so well is if they're noticing because we talk or I, I love to talk about how it's not just our fullbacks that move up so high as, as wingbacks typically do, but it's almost like we shift the field over because mm -hmm. oftentimes and yeah. you know, we'll, we'll hit this hard in the SKC two match because it it was the most apparent I've ever seen it. Mm. Um, but oftentimes you'll see one of our fullbacks usually on the left side move really high and so the other three shift over to to cover that and appear as if they're in a three center back uh mold but it's really just that left moved so high and so when when our our press is countered and they get the ball on the left side and they switch so high over to our right side you know that seems like they're they're, they're looking for that they're trying to attack that uh, weakness in in the back zone and, and we double down when we do that right that's the whole point of the press is if we we're just going to vacate that area and just throw numbers at the ball and so just right. in hopes that we intercept it or throw them off enough that they don't even have a chance to get there so on the off chance that they get there then we're in and we're off to the races you know tracking back so um you know it's just it's an interesting like gambling move and that's kind of the fun of it in some ways is we're, we're betting on ourselves to get to the ball before they can switch it and and it can become a bit of a race of, of who can pass and who can dribble you know back before um it can be blocked it's it's i don't know it is what it is and to our to our credit though like we harp on it when it goes wrong uh but it, it to our credit it does not go wrong that often no it does not you know we're we have the goal differential we have for a reason and it's not necessary i mean it is due to our our attacking presence you know we do we do score a lot of goals we were third in the league in overall goals this year we score a lot but at the same time um when we do allow goals it's usually in that manner but they're not we don't allow many goals we've allowed the six lowest goals against this season so you know we we notice that it's a consistent weakness because it seems like most of the time when we allow goals it's the same it's the same story rinse and repeat of that counter press and and attacking one of our our weak points on the on the corners or on the sides but like you said Phil it usually it works uh, more often than it doesn't. And I think that needs to be called out too, that mm -hmm. it, 
that it's noticeable because it's the same thing over and over, but it doesn't occur uh, near as often as you might think, given the fact that we constantly talk about it. And, you know, and we're, we're apt to complain about the thing that happens less and is like a drastic problem. You know what I mean? Once they get that ball over there, it is like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And there's the bank right. kind of thing. So that's fair. It's fair. <clears throat> the only other thing I want to say about this game, and then we'll move on to Sporting Kansas City, is that Tom Timmerman posted a really good stat that all the teams in the playoffs that we've played away, we've lost two away. And all the teams yeah. we've played that are in the playoffs, we've played at home, we've beat. And that's with us having like the best away record in the league, or at least at the time. Um, so, yeah, interesting stuff there that I thought, you know, we can play away. I'm not too worried about it. But then I saw that and I was like, no, that is not correct in this case. So uh, really, really good. Not that we took care of business, as we're about to talk about, but really, really good that we are at home. But let's talk about that game. SKC won. St. Louis City won. Uh, Santiago, we got to start with you because... I got to do the call with you, uh, the Spanish language call with you, and you were just such a professional, and you, you took care of me. You made me, you made it easy on me, and it was really fun doing that with you. So thanks, man. That was I wouldn't at least compliment oh, you no. on how good work you did. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I think it went it went well, and you did great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, but what do you think about Talk the about- game? Talk about that for a second, though, Phil. How how was it being in the booth with Santi? And Santi, how was it being in the booth with Phil? <laughs> it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it because, like, we we talk about soccer so much uh, outside of uh, that setup. But it was like, okay, we're here, and we are basically gonna do what we usually do: talk talk about soccer, like about the team, kind yeah. of sometimes like nerdy stuff. Like, I really I really enjoyed it, like because I'm used to it. I'm used to <laughs> talking to Phil and doing the podcast so it was very natural yeah it did it just felt like almost like what we talk about it like especially preseason we like hung out a lot and watched games together it was like that and if I, I think anyone would be good at color commentary if they're like me where like when I watch a game or if someone asks me about St. Louis City soccer I have to like be careful because I will just talk and talk and talk their ear off like when you do color commentary in this experience, at least, I was just like, I get to just go. Like, I can say whatever I want when Santiago stops talking. And I tried to keep it very quick and, and, and to the point so I didn't bore anyone that might have been listening. But um, that was my favorite part was like, I'm unleashed, you know, like every time Santiago stops, I can just say what's on my mind or what I'm seeing on the field. And that was my favorite part. It was like it was like my Christmas. <laughs> nice. But yeah, Santiago, why don't you talk about the game? I mean, you called it, you watched it, you pulled out all the details. Um, yeah, what'd you think about it? Well, uh, definitely uh, an improvement from the previous two games and, and City 2. Uh, you can say that they dominated for a, for long periods of the game. It's just that uh, the ball will not go in like after they scored that, that first goal. Um, they had a lot of chances to score the second, and they just um, like the Sporting KC goalie, uh, who by the way was he's 16 years old, and he was he was he's an academy player, and that was his third um, start in MLS Next Pro, and and he just stopped uh, so many shots, and and uh, at the end of the game, um, Celio was saying, yeah, we have to be more clinic, but you have to give credit to to the goalkeeper that he had a great game and sometimes even if if you keep playing more than 90 minutes in this case i think we got to to 100 minutes but you could keep playing and you could tell like yeah city is not gonna gonna score because uh, the goalie was was playing so well but um definitely one thing um we really missed that that number nine and, mm-hmm. and we tried something new but but you can tell that the number nine or the lack of a number nine really really makes a difference so uh, it'll be interesting to see what setup the team has uh when when it plays uh north texas this weekend if you uh if you put the two games that we had both doling and klaus out together it makes it worse but Mm. um we had a total between the two games without that traditional number nine total of 35 shots on goal between those two games 
had two goals. <laughs> right. Or 35 shots total. Sorry, thir- 35 shots total and two goals. Um, shots on goal was was pretty poor, 13. So 13 shots on goal out of 35 shots and only two goals. I mean, the of being clinical and finishing has more merit than any of us care to or want to believe. But that's been the story. That's been the story for, I think, most of the season, though. We, we, our press continually produces a ton of shots. Uh, pretty good amount of shots on goals, but a ton of shots. And our, our lack of finishing in that regard is troublesome. Tacoma uh, out, out scores us um, number of goals by a, cons- a, a significant amount. And we sh- if we were going to finish at the same rate that they were, we would be leading the league in goals instead of being third. Mm-hmm. The, the, it, it's not just been a problem the past two games, but it's been magnified, I think, because of that lack of presence, especially as Klaus had been uh, really getting into form those last few games where you could see that he was that shark in the box who he could run alongside a guy. He could, he could keep up at this point. Like you really saw glimpses of what he was going to be in 23 for us. And it was exciting. And then he goes down with a soft tissue injury and Doling's red card is just so unfortunate to coincide with that because it's like one, you can't really help and you can't do anything about the other. We were, we shot ourselves in the foot and it is, it is worrisome going into this game without Doling and Klaus again, I assume we're going to be without Klaus because the way that the way that Hack was mentioning last yeah. week, it, it did not seem at all like it was possible. Sounds like him and Berkey may not play in the playoffs at all. That's like the expectation, seemingly. That's my bet. But do you? I mean, that yeah. So the SKC match to me was very that like that was on display, mm-hmm. and and the fact that our one goal came off of a corner, and it wasn't anything in the run of play. Um, you know, we, we were attacking, we were dangerous in a few areas and with, I mean, come on, 23 shots in one game, Mm -hmm. like the math, I mean, the math should be there. Like it, the, the the finishing should have been there. Um, whether it's the personnel gelling together, making the, the best, you know, high XG shots. I don't know. Um, it doesn't give a, it doesn't exude a lot of confidence going into the, to the playoffs. And I think even before that, you know, we're those are the last two games. Well, that the game where Doling had his red card, we were shut out. Like that was the first time we'd been shut out since uh, April against uh, Vancouver, I think it was. And so in the last three Minnesota. games, Minnesota, yeah, sorry. So mm-hmm. last three games we've had two goals. That's not City Two at all. That is not reminiscent of who we are or what we're capable of. The game before that, you know, Santi, where Stu and I were over at your place, we had five goals. We dropped five on Timbers, too. Before that, five on Quakes, too. Before that, four on Whitecaps, too. You know, we're when you talk about form and where we're going into the playoffs, it really feels like we're limping into the playoffs here. It does, and um, I will... I'm not sure. There's always that debate over like how much do you instruct your attackers to do exact things. You know, people hate that about what they think what Bert Halter orders his attackers to do versus like you just put them out there and let them express themselves um, is the opposite of that. <laughs> um, and um, wow. it seemed like we lean toward letting them express themselves, get them up top and, you know, letting Celio and Diaz kind of work together to hopefully make some magic for a goal. And um, clearly that didn't work even in the false nine thing. Didn't, didn't work very well as hack even said himself. Um, And I think the last thing I want to say is that I do think and hack admitted that we did look more natural with Dita up top when he came on, because he was trying to push the center backs back the whole time. He was actually running at in behind and so there was space there to play with and i think if he had played longer and if they knew him better and his movement better that i think we might have been more likely to score a goal in my opinion so that's i don't normally do this but i would actually say that i would go on a limb and say that i'd like to see dita start this game even if he only plays a half i'd really like to see what we look like just like putting our cards on dita on 
the most natural striker we have left, <laughs> be that well, as it may. And when you're t- so he he would fill that number nine spot. But when you're talking about in form scoring goals, he's had two goals in I think his last three matches uh, right. between between the U23s at UPSL and City Two. Mm. So he he is as in form of a number nine as we could find right now. And getting him minutes between UPSL side and City Two, I would absolutely agree. Love to see him in that spot. And if it doesn't work, you could always fall back to what you've been doing the past couple of games. You could find uh, an opportunity for Caden Glover to showcase in the second half. Hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of things you could do. Um, and and I, I just hope we and I don't think we're going to do this at all. You know, I, earlier in the year, I'd said at one point that I think we're going to go conservative uh, when we were down a man in a game and we ended up scoring like three goals <laughs> right after we did. So I, I've long thrown the idea of us playing conservative to the wayside. I think our yeah. game is our game and our game plan is our game plan. Um, but Phil, one thing you were saying about allowing the the attackers to be creative and kind of make their own plays really harken back to, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys have had the chance to listen to those city voice podcasts that were released last weekend. Oh um, Brett. So yeah. Uh, Peter Woods, who is, uh, interviewing Bradley Carnell and um, Hackworth. Uh, Hackworth. Yeah. So I haven't listened to Hackworth yet, but I, Carnell I actually listen, yeah, yeah. I listened to Hackworth first and I haven't finished uh, Carnell. <laughs> listen to Carnell because if you juxtapose his first interview back in January to this one, my God, does he sound in command of the situation? Mm-hmm. Like he is a completely different, uh, confident St. Louis city head coach. And it is it, it was exciting to hear, but also the level of uh, how much he was plugged into City Two throughout the year was so obvious. And he talked about that how the 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 two thirds of the field leading up to that attacking third, we're we're more uh, we have we have plays that that can be we had formations and we had ideas of where players wanted to be, and it was a lot of scripting uh, more or less. Hmm. But then that attacking third was very much allowing playmakers to do their thing and move where they felt it was natural to go. And so they gave that freedom and flexibility for them to make plays. And it, it is, I mean, both good and sense that we create so many opportunities, but we can't finish um, more often than like to that point where, yes, we, we do, we're a third in the league in goals. So we, we finish a lot, but compared to the number of shots and chances that we have, it should be more. And so you're seeing that, pay dividend um whether whatever the issue is in uh the the percentage finishing you know i think that can and should be addressed through whatever ways they want but i think the idea and the concept is bearing a lot of fruit and so that was very illuminating to me just to hear that mindset of how they treat their forwards how they treat their attacking third and you can see it a lot in the fact that Celio leads the league in a lot of key categories for assisting, successful crosses, successful dribbles. And you saw in uh, in the SKC2 game where Diaz almost single-handedly scored himself a goal there uh, in like the no. 70th, 80th minute. That where he, he literally just started dribbling the ball down the center and had this amazing 360 play. Uh, or yeah, 360 play where he just almost brought us back and mm-hmm. almost gave us that win single-handedly. So that kind of flexibility and freedom that you're giving your forwards is exciting to see. And, you know, I, I think that uh, that's something that we're going to be able to look forward to next year. I agree. Um, while, while we're on the topic before we move on, oh, we got to talk about one other thing in that game. But before we move on from this part of this topic, Adam is at AG10H um, on Twitter, asked three questions. The first one, the last two we'll, we'll get at the end of the show, I think. But this one is, uh, what might Hackworth change, if anything, compared to that North Texas game last week? So he asked this before this last game, but yeah, what do you think, Santiago? Do, what do you think he would uh, he would change in this? So that's really interesting. Compared to um, what we just said, what would Hack do? So let me let me I'll get back to that. But two weeks ago, um, when St. Louis City Two was getting ready to play um north texas i asked hardcore i was like so you may see north texas again in the playoffs depending on what happens in the mm-hmm. next few games will you plan this game differently or do you treat it as a different game 
and I was listening to to what he said like um, before the podcast and um, he was like well North Texas needs to win and yeah we don't have like we're not gonna have some of some guys on the team but yeah we're gonna put a competitive uh, team out there and try to get the result and at the end he said like but yeah if, if we see them again it will be something different so <laughs> that just made me think i was like well maybe he's just playing like playing mind games and yeah he put a competitive team but maybe this weekend we're gonna see something different and he really wanted to show them uh what what the team like the real team that will be in the playoffs mm-hmm. they're just something to to think about yeah because he also mentioned glover and dita didn't he and, he did, yeah. and Glover, we thought maybe that meant they were going to start and Glover didn't see the field. I thought that was interesting, too. I thought maybe he's trying to throw off the competition as well, because clearly teams are doing their homework on us. So right. he's probably right to do that. And the thing is, like, that was the second game against North Texas and this playoff game will be the third game. So, so yeah, I, I will get that. Yeah, maybe you want to give them a different look, make them think. And then in the playoff game, you you throw something totally different at them the only thing is that we we won't have a dolling we would probably won't have a class so i agree with you phil I, I will give a chance to um Tita armstrong at least the first half and if it doesn't work maybe go back to uh Celio and diaz at, at top but but yeah we'll really try to at least the first half or the beginning go with a with a number nine which is what has worked for the team uh, so well i think the idea of hackworth throwing people off is only fair game we're the only team in the league who we can't throw people off because of the unknowns of our lineup how many times have you heard hackworth talk about we don't know if we're going to see player a b or c because whether they're getting minutes this weekend for the mls side well we don't right. have that luxury of that chaos and confusion so why not toss a little chaos and confusion in? You might see Glover, you might see Dita, or you know some other player. Class might be healthy, and then suddenly he's not. <laughs> or maybe he will be healthy now. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say that that um, when Hackworth took over at Louisville City, um, you know we were hot and heavy about this. We we're like, can Hack cut it because? You know, James O'Connor was a legend over there and he just had those guys like really tuned in and Hackworth came in and and he kind of kept it the same at first and then he would make tweaks and they struggled early in the season and he would just like make tweaks here and there, here and there. And it just really feels like what's been happening, like something's not right. And he didn't really fiddle with things until this has happened. And he's like just like plugging and playing and learning along the way and and those problems didn't get solved quickly. And luckily at Louisville, it was the beginning of the season. By the end, they probably won. They won most of the, the uh, seasons they played but under Hack. But um, now we got the playoffs, so we don't have that luxury. He's, he's got to figure it out faster. He doesn't have the time. So the pressure's on. It's unfortunate that the situation is what it is. Uh, you know, all I can think is, like, let's just get past this first playoff game and then it'll feel like the real city is is going to play the rest of the playoffs and um also something we learned this week i was going to say get Do- get doling back um he does pronounce his name doling does has everyone gotten the news on this doling doling so tom like Timmerman, doling like doling yeah like a doll doling yeah or yeah hmm. yes doling um but <laughs> No, like I guess no one asked him or something, and he always said Doling. And someone he at some point he let maybe the comms people know. He's like, you know, my name's actually pronounced Doling. I think that's how it went. I don't know if that's how the story went, but I do know for a fact that his name is actually pronounced Doling by him and his his family. So if you do want to say it right, like I heard Tom ask it, and I was like, silly Tom, he got his name wrong. And then I found out, no, Tom, of course, did his homework, and I have not. So right. So there's that. I wanted everyone to know, whoever listened to the podcast, you guys are in on the know. Now I want to go back and no. So, you know, I'm going to call I'm going to call a little BS on on and and say, like, no fault of our own. No, no. Well, you know, but when we I'm, I'm looking back now because I 
I distinctly remember certain things, and that was one of those because we've talked about this a little bit. And I'm I'm now looking back at the email, the media email that we got at the beginning of the season with player pronunciations, right? Uh, and so yeah, so if maybe City didn't know, maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't ask every single player, and it was they went off of certain other things. But we got, I mean, Josh Doling, D O H, all caps dash L E E dash N G. That's, yeah, I that's mean, not da. That's dough. Matt, I wasn't D-O-I. gonna throw our comms department under the bus, but I'm just saying, like <laughs> you're you're saying, like because we've called him. I feel bad now because we called him doling all year. I feel bad like, too, but I think he would have said something if it really bothered him, or if he like actually listened to anyone using his name. That's probably the answer is that he doesn't read. That's probably the true. tweets and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I no, think no, like no harm, no foul is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't think he cares enough. Uh, but we like to get that right. So I'm glad, you know, yeah. Tom took care of that for us. Now we can now we can say it right. Much appreciated because hopefully we get to say it a lot next year, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hope you're right. Well said. Um, one more thing we got to talk about in this game, because we had a pretty hot debate going about this. The mm. Pedro mess up. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's around the 60th minute and we see Pedro come on and I'm like, here we go. Here we go. We even had a moment where the ball was like deflected you know, probably 10 yards outside of the box. And I saw him wind up cause he was like, you know, ready to repeat that, that long missile for a goal. Um, and he, he did hold back. And so I was so excited he came on, but like there was a, a few like minor defensive misses and then basically him giving up the goal. And the debate was, is it Pedro's fault? Where were the other defenders? What was going on? So I just thought we'd like kind of relive that argument in in uh, real time here on the podcast. Well, Stu, Stu's not here, which I think is a little unfortunate because he was one of the <laughs> the proponents of uh, it was it was Pedro's fault, and he should assume the the liability on this one. I, however, I give Pedro a little bit of credit, um, and maybe this goes to me watching that one replay way too many times. Uh, trying to figure out what happened before, which, to the best of our knowledge, it was a throw-in near our attacking third, like really high up on the pitch. And we threw it in, we turned it over, but it was a quick turnover to where the ball was cleared um, out of our attacking third very quickly on the right-hand side over to Pedro. And because it was a throw-in so so high up the, the field... Our high press was so high up the field. If you look at that replay, Hebert and Yarrow, who were the center backs, were Yarrow was in the box and Pedro or um, Hebert was right outside of the 18-yard box. And so there is nobody defending other than Pedro. He mm. is he is literally last man. And when he got the ball, there was a guy on him pretty tight, and then there were two who were closing in on midfield. And so there's and, and Benderosa. Th- this also speaks to what I was alluding to earlier of how we tend to shift our players over so, so far to the side one way or the other. Pedro left back was on the far right side of the field. Like he was in the right backs defensive spot. Benderosa was, I don't know, 10 yards up uh, directly in front of him, seemingly waiting for a pass. So, you know, you, you can kind of excuse Ben, it seems from from any of that, because while the one man was on Pedro, Ben was seemingly waiting for Pedro to make that pass. Well, Pedro tried to pull the ball. He, steps, he tried to step back. But when he stepped back, he kind of lost um, the, the tight control of the ball. The ball had a little separation. And I think, based on the, the, the highlight, it was because he was noticing the players in the middle of the field and trying to gauge how close they were, um, they were gaining on him, how close they were closing that gap. And so there were two players, really three, on him with nobody else around him um, and so he could have been trying to clear it, but I think instead of keeping his eye on the ball, he was keeping his eye on the defender to know how much time he had to play the ball. And when that happened, he had too much separation with the ball, didn't control it tightly. And so that allowed the defender closest to him to move in and he turned the ball over when he turned the ball over. That's when, you know, like, I mean, I'm not even joking. When you see the defender take control of the ball, that's when you notice Kyle Hebert enter the screen and start to sprint down Mm -hmm. after that player has already gotten the ball and started his run. And from there, because, you know, those other two players were in midfield and they were making the parallel run, it was easy to make that one touch pass and get the ball past uh, Creek. Yeah. So 
I was more on uh, team, team Stewart here, um, and I'll just I'll phrase it differently than he did. I would just say that I'm not actually saying you're wrong, Matt. Like, maybe those guys should have been back. I would, like, in my head, I'm debating, is it system, and they beat the system, and that's the problem? Or does the system dictate that Pedro should have had someone, one person back with him, or, or even two? I will say that on the corners, we only had two guys back. That was never a problem all night. So here we are. I'd like to just dismiss that debate completely anytime because, like, I think you covered it well. Anytime you are the last man back with the ball and you know this is a pressing team in Kansas City, like, they press when it seems right. And these boys were full tilt on the run. One was in the lead and two were close behind. And in those situations, you don't Zach Stefan it, as I put it in our DM. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't you yeah. don't take a Cruyff turn to get away from like something flashy away from the guy trying to press you. You clear the damn ball like like Matt Turner would. You know what I mean? Um, so I think he got a little too fancy. I think he thought the level that he could get away with it probably. I, I get that. Maybe he's not used to the level. But, you know, in, in those situations, I would probably figure out the first question, Matt, with my team if I was looking at the tape. And then I'd be like, sorry, Pedro, but everyone look what happened here. Just clear the ball. You know what I mean? So, uh, Santiago, do you want to maybe be a tiebreaker here? Do you have any thoughts? Oh, we lost him. Ah. Well, I'll, I'll say, you know, the interesting thing is, so we talked about whether you should clear it or not, and Stewie was making a lot of comments about you, and you were saying the same thing about clear it or sh- just knock the ball out of bounds. He was right next to the touchline. There, there were options there. The one option that he never even, you know, we, we didn't even approach with, with Creek in the game is passing back to the keeper, which before Berkey came wasn't really a thing. And since Berkey hasn't played a few games, hasn't been a thing. Hmm. So I don't know what the idea is behind that, whether it's comfortability or, um, or or what, but that never seemed to be an option. And if that was, to me, looking back on it, that would have been option A, is the obvious move is you're seeing three defenders close to you. You just back pass it. You give it to the I keeper. You let him clear the ball. But But that's not, again, when... Berkey's not in the match. That's not something that we've really relied heavily on. But I will say that I do think Creek um, had, was responsible in that game. Like he didn't take any chances. He wasn't trying to be fancy the entire game. He had at least four or five clearances with a dude running up on him. So oh, you know, I sure. think he proved that he could handle it. I I just think Pedro got the ball, and once the floundering happened, you know, passing back and clearing it just like exited his yeah. brain. At that point, and, and you're def- like a. a uh, antelope running from a cheetah <laughs> <laughs> and definitely nothing against our keepers. I know they're, they're capable, both Creek and McGrain. They, they handle themselves well. It's not that, you know, you don't trust them to back pass the ball to the keeper. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, and, and yes, Pedro did have that. That was a bad play on his part. You know, he, he misplayed the ball. He, he didn't keep it tight. He made a bad move. I, my point was only that, that only occurred because he was looking at the players closing in on him and trying to figure out what he needed to do based on where they were, having nobody around him to play the ball to mm-hmm. or do anything with, which and being on the right side of the field, which was a foreign area to him. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of um, uncomfortability around what he was doing, where he was. That was very apparent. And so, yes, not not absolving him because that was clearly an error errant play however i'm more of the opinion that is system based in um what allowed it to happen cool well i think we've covered the options the truth is out there we've beaten the horse to death (laughs) which we never do we never disagree (laughs) on on things like this so weird i love it um (laughs) let's move on to the bjc announcements there are jersey sponsored details there are training facility naming details and since matt is the detail guy i was like i'm not even gonna look this up matt you uh you take it from here man yes so uh september 15th city announced uh one day which was this was a weird week so that wednesday you know we had the centene news where we weren't going to play at centene Mm -hmm. and then um you know right back on the saddle let's let's get back to it with founding partners um adding uh bjc healthcare washington university orthopedics 
the club's official medical services provider in BJC and the team physicians at WashU Orthopedics. So the deal will have the training center on the south side of market has been renamed the Washington University Orthopedics High Performance Center. Uh, the Washington University Orthopedics staff will be the team physicians. And on most notably for fans, on the academy kits and on the training kits of the first team, on the front, the sponsor will be BJC. Also on the team's uh, upcoming first kit that will be revealed uh, around the November timeframe this year, on the right sleeve will be uh, the BJC patch. So big sponsorship on that. Um, And it's not the first time the team has partnered with BJC. Uh, If you remember the COVID vaccine clinics that they Mm -hmm. ran months ago, uh, that was through a partnership with BJC. So it's it's pretty clear that this has been something that's been in the works uh, or at least uh, iterative in its nature for quite a while. Um, In the in the press release, too, it was interesting that. Uh, and I thought this was pretty cool. It said the BJC and Washu Orthopedics is going to team with City SC to focus on community health, collaborating on events, including an annual City Sprint 5K, health and wellness classes, nutrition and education, and volunteer programs. So this is more than just um, name on a kit, uh, name on a building. It's something that's going to affect the community. And you know, we're gearing up. Uh, Santi and I are going to be running in the Biz Dash 5K tomorrow night. Nice. This coming uh, to and from Centene. So it's kind of cool to have this, you know, city sponsored with BJC 5K in the works uh, that, you know, everybody can get excited about. And it's a nice community initiative. Absolutely. Um, I, speaking of you guys doing that run, um, I took my sons to the fun run that was the futsal court in Dogtown's um, ribbon cutting. So, the um, Franz Park in Franz Park, yeah, yeah. Um, so I do have like footage of that. I have like tons of footage of a million different things, and I have like I have to catch up, I got to start posting videos. Um, so anyway, I was there and it was really cool, and I got to talk to Kalia, and um, yeah, I'll be having a video on that as soon as I can catch up. Uh, that was another uh, bit of, of news as well. So that one has been in the works for quite a while. Yes, second futsal court that city has helped. Um, bring up around the community. The first being uh, Marquette Park in Dogtown. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, at uh, Dutchtown. And so it, it's cool to see this this happen. And uh, one of my buddies, Jojo, is was behind uh, or helped get the the Franz Park up and running. Nice. So seeing that on Facebook and everything, uh, I'm glad they actually had the ribbon cutting along with the fun run and and all that occur. So that was that was a fun thing the other weekend. It was super cool. Like this is what I love about sending my kids to the city school is we showed up to the fun run and we just saw the parking lot is where my kids went to school right next door that everyone parked in. And it's just like all these kids and moms that we knew, you know, I mean, I I didn't expect that, but you know, everyone, you know, in St. Louis, you, you support your neighborhood. And that was really nice to see. And, and here they are coming out for a fun run. Dogtown United is there and city's there too. So, you know, you got to love that as, as a guy that's looking for, community involvement where I live, um, that, that happened. That was awesome. That, that's one of those things too. And without spending too much time on it is I've, I've noticed over the past few weeks, especially is how much in the mainstream of St. Louis, um, city SC really has started to become. So mm-hmm. we, I mean, we, I typically think of soccer. I mean, obviously St. Louis has a huge history of soccer, but I think of professional soccer in St. Louis as especially the last 10 plus years as like a niche thing. Like it's not on the level of the Cardinals, not on the level of the blues. It's, it's five to 6,000 people. It's St. Louis FC. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it is, it's hugely important and impactful to a group. Um, but it's not in the mainstream consciousness of non-sports fans, right. Of, of people in the area and whether it's the bumper stickers, the hats, the shirts, the showing up to these events, it's the the moms who are bringing their kids, the dads who are bringing their kids, it's just, you know, the kids wearing the shirts. It's all of that coalescing around this this club that is now on equal footing, really, you know, to the Cardinals and Blues and has that excitement for the stadium. That is, um, it's it's jarring, I guess, is a, a decent way to say it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, I have to, I catch myself thinking, wow, this is very, it, it's not what I'm used to. And you know, so like the 11,000 people who are going to be at Centene, um, that, that concept of everybody just vying for tickets to see professional soccer in St. Louis, 
it's it's surreal still mm-hmm. and and these community events further that to me i agree i agree uh the last topic before we get to adam's other questions is the announcement of the calendar for free agency for expansion draft and i believe the super draft i hope i have the correct article here mm-hmm. matt tell yep. me if this is wrong monday november 14th is the deadline for mm-hmm. oh wait nope nope November 11th is the MLS expansion draft deadline to to claim. You got the dates ish. (laughs) Why don't you take it back? Cause I'm reading it wrong. I'm I'm, both times now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're good. Um, And it's, it's similar to what we've talked about, what we've uh, guessed on based on previous years. So MLS cup is November 5th. So that's, that's when the, the last game of the season is. So that's when it all really starts or ends depending on your perspective. Um, so November 5th, and I hope I hope City does a watch party for this to kick everything off because it should be oh, for sure. a week or two of festivities because this this is going to be when things really kick into high gear for City and their roster building. So November 5th, MLS Cup. November 7th, the trade window opens for the other 28 clubs. And so the trade window is going to be open for two full days, November 7th to the 9th. On, the, on November 10th, Thursday a list of protected players will be announced, meaning all of the uh, players who are, there's 12 players who are being protected from each club. That list will be known on Thursday, November 10th, Friday, November 11th. Well, hold on. That's where we look up all the St. Louis players that are in MLS, right? And see if they're protected. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, but it's, it's not just those lists. So, so there's other players who are automatically protected, for instance. Mm -hmm. So I think like generation Adidas players are automatically protected. They can protect eligible expansion draft players. Yes. Yeah. So that's that November, Thursday, November 10th is going to be a huge day for our people, mm-hmm. people who care about the the nitty gritty, the nerdy stuff, right. trying to look at rosters to see, you know, who has the St. Louis ties, who we're going to be excited about potentially, who might fit in our system, all that jazz. So we and we're only going to have a day for it. We're only going to have 24 hours to mm-hmm. to talk about it because on November 11th, Friday, St. Louis City SC, the only expansion club entering the league, has their expansion draft, has our expansion draft. So we get five players from the eligible player list, the non-protected players. So that that will happen on Friday, November 11th. And in addition to the uh, non-protected players that we have to choose from, it's going to be important to remember that there are five teams that we have no selection from, no opportunity to select any player. Austin FC, Atlanta United FC, DC United, LAFC, and New York City FC. And it's because last year's expansion team That's this year, right. Charlotte, selected a player from each one of those clubs and so they're exempt so they don't they get they get to just sit this one out protect all their players so if you're thinking about any of the um currently rostered uh signed players for those clubs they're not going to be an option for the expansion draft austin atlanta dc lafc new york city i'm gonna be a jerk matt we're gonna cover this stuff hardcore when we get close to these dates let's just kind of give these guys the dates and a quick explanation and then i think we need to get out of here Okay, so after the expansion draft on Friday, November 11th, um, there's going to be some other things that occur in MLS. So that's basically when we start. So at that point, um, you have clubs submitting offers to players who are uh, restricted, essentially. Free agency is going to open on November 16th. There's a re-entry process of players who used to be in MLS coming back on the 17th. Um, that pro- those process will, processes will continue. We're going to see additional players that we can sign and announce. There's going to be a lot of things that happen starting at that November um, 11th date. And so the next big date after that is going to be December 21st, which is the 2023 MLS Super Draft. Whoa, yeah. So that that is going to be the, the college draft, uh, as everybody thinks of it as. So St. Louis City gets the first pick in that, and it will be... I don't a generation Adidas player it will be a player that top caliber, uh, one of the one of the top players. It always is. And so there are three rounds in that um, city having the first pick in each one of those rounds. December 21st is a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get really nerdy on that stuff. 
Sorry about that, Matt, but I, we were getting close to an hour here. <laughs> we got some uh, questions to ask. So, yeah, watch for those dates. We'll be posting them. We'll be covering it hardcore. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, Santiago, welcome back. Sorry for the trouble. <laughs> Would you say that you're having electrical problems? I was going to say that. Electrical <laughs> problems hit my house, too. Oh, man. Okay. Well, welcome back. Let's ask some questions. We'll start with you. Do you think... The playoff game staying at SIUE is for the best. An elimination game on a pitch they're not used to seems risky. I thought that was an interesting question from Adam. Well, but who is not used to it? Like, North Texas played there, and City, too, has played there, too. Oh, no, he means in, since it's not at Centene Stadium. Oh, got it, got Sorry. it, got it. Yeah, yeah it, it could be. It could be. Um because, yeah, if the game was going to be there, they were just going to train there for a few days and get used to the pitch. But um, to be honest, I, I don't think it matters. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Same time, though, the club is training on a grass pitch daily now on right. uh, field field two down at the Centene training fields. And so I'm not saying they're not used to the, the turf because they're used to playing games. You know, they know what it feels like, but day in and day out during the week they're they're on grass a grass field and so mm -hmm. you know stadium aside uh well you can't really you can't put the stadium aside you can't put the the gravitas the magnitude the uh, oh my god we're here so there could be um a little bit of jitters or butterflies or that effect uh, but these guys are professionals i'm not expecting that to last too long i i don't from a playing surface, I kind of think Centene would be a little more what they're used to when they train. Um, of course, not knowing where North Texas is, trains, whether it's on turf. I would tend to think it's on turf, given all those FC Dallas facilities that are down there. Um, and so that might lend itself to North Texas being used to the, the fields that they're going to play on at SIUE. But I was thinking similarly, Matt, it's going to be the same grass is put down at the same time, the same grading, the same dirt, the same people doing all the work. It's got to be pretty damn close, right? So who knows? Um, yeah, and not only that, but 11,000 versus 3,000, 4,000 max you're that right. you will have at, at SIUE. You know, we, so I... I there, there's been some talk about that this week as far as like the fact that SIUE, um, I don't think it was entirely sold out, but it, it I do think it was the best SIUE crowd that we've had of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a great turnout. Mm -hmm. And other games that we've had at SIUE, the players have commented about how loud it was with the, the fans, with the drums, with with everything that's going on. And, and Yarrow in particular had a comment that this was the loudest that, that it seemed so far. And it, I think that is still a, an atmosphere and environment that is very beneficial to St. Louis City. You know, I think having that level of noise and crowd, they're used to it. They know it. And just to amplify that there can't go understated. We said it a lot in the broadcast, like Luligans, I think, were like more solid and loud than I've ever heard them. Like they were strong, you know, and together in the drums, especially, of course, it was it was good. It was really good. Props to them, and thank goodness they're there doing such good work. Um, last question. Um, do you guys think they'll consolidate resources and upgrade the stream now that they only have four games to deal uh. with? Yes, right? We we had four well, they, cameras there. No, I didn't watch the feed because we were all there, right? But there were four cameras at that SAUE game, the last game of the season. So if they do that for the last game of the season... I would hope they would do that for the playoffs, but I guess they still got to worry about all the playoff games instead of just one game of the week. I yeah, know. but I would think I would think they will treat all the playoff games as game of the week. Hmm. Uh, they are all at different times: two are on Saturday, two are on Sunday, or maybe they will have a Saturday like that's the game of the week, and that one gets the four cameras, and the other one doesn't. Same thing on Sunday, but I will expect for them to treat all of them as the game of the week and have the same setup. Uh, it's, it's the playoffs. It's mm -hmm. like, it's showtime. Like, uh, yeah, like the stream hasn't been the best, but you still have time to make it a little better for the playoffs and, and use more resources and have the, the four cameras instead of shooting from the moon and, and then <laughs> people won't know what they are watching, you know? 
and I, I don't think that we were the only game of the week last week, too. I, I If I remember looking at the mm. MLS Next Pro website, I think there was an Eastern Conference game of the week as well. Okay. Oh. And so, and that lends itself more to that idea that they can have every single game be elevated to that game of the week level where you have multiple cameras, you're able to show zoom ins and um, replays during the broadcast. So I, I do think it'll be a better broadcast than a typical um, MLS Next Pro match uh, throughout the playoffs. I, 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 I would agree with that. And it's also their, their first playoffs. It's their first opportunity to try i mean they could try new things they could be showcasing themselves in the playoffs so it's more visibility extra eyes um fewer games i i think we may see the we, i i want to see that and i would expect to see that for all of the games leading up to what i would hope to be the best presentation for the championship game yeah and i forgot to mention this i meant to talk about this earlier but now it works out um I talked to Charles Altchek is the MLS next pro president today. And that interviews up. I'm going to push it a little better tomorrow. Um, but just highlighting some of the things that were talked about, he mentioned, I always think about how great that first game was. It was at Herman stadium, uh, St. Louis city versus Rochester. And there were tons of cameras. Taylor Twelman was on the call. It felt big it felt bigger than most usl games i've watched that aren't like a, you know pumped up any special way it was awesome and you know of course i, I did my best to kind of ask a few things about the stream without being a total jerk and um <laughs> <laughs> it's hard blind to walk and i don't know how well i did on that but i did ask and he was very non-committal about next year but one highlight of that interview is that he did say that all MLS Next Pro games will be on Apple Plus next year. So um, that is good news. And so now the next question is, do we get match replays? Do we get instant replays? Do we get um, decent feeds from a decent location? He was very noncommittal about all of those things, which is almost a no in that, in that kind of context. But um, at least we have some, something from the horse's mouth, yeah. My optim my optimistic self, my idiotic optimistic self <laughs> tells me that's more that that they have yet to work out the details as opposed and and don't he doesn't want to announce anything as opposed to we shouldn't expect anything. The fact that the fact that he mentioned that's that it was right, but the fact that he mentioned that every game is going to be on Apple TV is brand new information. First of all, that I haven't I have not seen that anywhere. So that. To me, I mean, kudos to you for getting that out of them because that that's the first time I've ever heard that. In even on uh, MLS's website, MLSsoccer.com slash Apple, you don't see all MLS Next Pro matches advertised. It's select MLS Next Pro and MLS Next matches. So we always thought it was going to be a game of the week situation. Hmm. And then if you think about what Apple puts on their their platforms, uh, it is not the quality of MLSnextpro.com. It's true. Yeah. I, I cannot see. And he said that too, actually. He talked about the quality of Apple Plus and, and you know, the level of technology that company represents. It, they don't they don't put shit on their broadcast. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. Right. They, like, they don't, that, they, that's not something they allow on their platforms. They don't allow their name to be associated with subpar quality. Hmm. And, and especially when it comes to, to streams and, um, and broadcasts like major league baseball is the example. And, and we know that MLS is going to have a step up in, uh, their consistency of their broadcast, but even MLS next pro, we thought the game of the week made sense because, okay, you can devote a, a better product to put on Apple. But if they're going to, if, if Apple's going to put that entire league on their platform, then we have to see some consistent elevation in what we see on these streams. It, there's no I, I refuse to believe and if, if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I refuse to believe that the quality we see now is something Apple is going to allow on their platform hmm. maybe long term it will be all the games but um, it will be a big investment to get all the stadiums ready for that yeah yeah and I mean it's their first year I said that too you know it's it's only going to get better I do have faith that they are going to get better and better in that regard. So, all right, guys, I think that's good for today. Thanks so much for hanging out. And if you're listening, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you listen to that interview with Charles Altchek. 
I hope you're seeing the flyover focus stuff through the week. I hope you're listening to Matt's. Uh, what's your thing called? I forget. I'm sorry. Oh, it's the the weekly recap on the City SC report feed. Man, so it's just it's just like a ten to fifteen minutes quick hits on all the news that's happened in the past week. I try to just cover it very clearly and concisely. Not a whole lot of fluff. Quick and precise. This is like yeah, you know, perfectly you, Matt. I love it. Really good stuff. <laughs> it is. It is great. I really like it. Like mm-hmm. uh, if I'm driving to run an errand. Perfect, because I can hear Matt 10 to 15 minutes and I have all the information and, and refresh on some things that I may not know or things, oh, yeah, that happened. So I, I really like it, Matt. You're doing a great job. Well, I appreciate that. And honestly, that's something that I have to p- tell myself about when we're doing these kind of things, too, because I get so ingrained in what we what we talk about and I don't like to repeat myself in certain things. But mm-hmm. we, we ha- I, us, too, we always have to remember that not everybody listens to everything. People aren't as like just sunk into the ecosystem that we are and you never know when you're going to be the first time somebody hears something so if you skip over it if you don't mention it don't take anything for granted in what people listen to they they don't listen to everything like we do necessarily so every everybody has their their first opportunity to hear something yeah and speaking of where you listen to it that's on the city report feed so make sure you catch it on that don't want to confuse you guys and go looking for it on our feed (laughs) (laughs) we'll be back All right. Yeah. Thanks again, everybody. We'll be talking to you guys next week. Goodbye. See ya. See you guys.